Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. Superheroes, we are here with Deb Poneman, who is an extraordinary thought leader in our world today. She is somebody who is in the business of transformation and has been in the business of transformation for decades. She was a pretty much household word in the 80s with her program, Yes to Success. And then she went off and did other things until boom, 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 boom. She's back this year in 2020 with a new form of Yes to Success, which is so exciting that I wanted to have her on the podcast to talk about this incredible new program that you're doing this year, which could it be better timing? No, it could not. And you did not know that we were going to be having a pandemic. Welcome, Deb Potterman. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I love just talking with you because there's magic that happens and knowledge comes out. I love your podcast. And here we are in yeah. 2020. Wow. forgot to acknowledge you. Deb Potterman did me a huge favor really because there had never been a love forward talks event and in november of 2018 i did the first love forward talks event and there now there haven't there hasn't been one since but there will be some in the future i promise but she did the very first one and people just absolutely adored you and um thank you again for being such a light at that amazing event you made it a love forward talk for sure Oh, thank you. I loved that event. The, the energy was really, it was just overflowing with love. I, I've i been speaking, as you know, since the 1970s. Ah, See, and now people are vintage to say the 70s. But um, that was actually one of the highest events I've spoken at. And I've spoken all over the world. And uh, it, was, there, it was love forward. It was. It was. Um, Deb and I both a study with Master John Douglas and Master John Douglas and the Master Angels. And that, that room, I swear to God, was chock full of angels, like wall-to-wall angels. It felt right. Like everybody could feel the angelic. Even if they didn't believe in angels, I think they felt something that was touching their heart. And I just have to say, it's, it's one of the side benefits of working with Master John Douglas and the Master Angels. They tend to show up when we need them. <laughs> And it's not like you have to take this advanced course as a lead course, which we both have, but it's not like you have to. It's like just one, one, you know, silent faith, remote blessing or gone one of the, usually they're in person, but right now they're remote, but it's been really powerful. And you become part of this family and, and you can feel the presence of the master angels in your life. It's really extraordinary. One of the things that I notice is that I've always known that we all have legions of angels. And I always would say to my students, how would you walk? How would you hold yourself? How would you know that you could like speak up if you knew that there were legions of angels on your right, on your left, behind you, clearing your path in front of you? And we all have that. What I've noticed from working with Master John Douglas is I actually 
feel the presence of the angels. So I knew it before and now I feel it. There's like a shift that's taken place. Like I almost see them moving obstacles out of my way. Yes. yes. Oh my God. I absolutely do. And I'm crying right now because yeah, and you just gave me chills. I mean, you were speaking for me. You were speaking for my soul. And all you have to do even is just think of them and they are invoked and they're, they're like on the scene. Oh yeah, you called? Here we are parting the Red Seas for you as you just sort of stated, right? The, the other thing that is so extraordinary because I've been in this world of transformation. You know, I became a, a transcendental meditation teacher in the 70s. And I, I taught TM and I spent a lot of time in silence and, and many, many months meditating eight to 10 hours a day. And um, I spent years with some of the greatest masters of the East. And uh, I still teach through um, the Art of Living uh, Foundation, which is Sri Sri Ravishankar, who also has my heart in a million different ways. But I've been with so many great teachers over the last over 40 years from the East and the West. One of the things that I so appreciate about Master John Douglas is his humility. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have friends who he has, and I don't want to use the word cure because I don't want to ruffle any FDA's feathers, but I have, my sister-in-law had Parkinson's, now she has no symptoms. I have another friend, my friend Denise, she had, you know, advanced cancer. She doesn't anymore, but he, and I could just go on and on and on, but he has so much humility and he's hysterical but truthfully why i'm so drawn to him is that it's not for himself it's he does not need to feed his ego and he's such a good role model in that way because so many transformational leaders you could kind of see that why they need to do what they're doing is to feed themselves to to heal their own wounds i mean i know that's a lot of why we all do what we do is we're in this mode to heal our own wounds but he's not right right <laughs> right the other day he said if i was working from ego then you would see me playing mind games you would see me manipulating you but there's zero manipulation there's no. zero mind games here gives the credit to the master angels and to God. It, it's like when um, people are struggling and he just tells us to trust and that the universe does have our back. And I love one of the things he said the other day, he said, give God the benefit of the doubt. And when I get to a point in my life where can I surrender and trust or do I have to push and manipulate? And what allows me to surrender and trust is that quote, can you just give God the benefit of the doubt? That's a really, that's such a hard one for me. And you're, you know, the type A personality, we're both like type A personality, right? Like, so we think doing and getting things done is valuable and that proves our value. But I, I want to actually, I want to dive into your work now with what you just said, which is that surrendering to God. Tell me how it is that you came back to yes to success, how that, how that evolved. And then, but I think you're going to have to, even though Deb has been on the podcast before um, you were one of the very first interviews that I ever did on this, on this podcast, but um, just refresh their memory. If they haven't heard that episode about what yes to sex, what to success was, and then tell us how, what spark happened that is bringing it back. Yeah. Well, I'll give the real cliff notes version of, uh, I was a, a 
full-time TM teacher, worked for the Transcendental Meditation Movement in the 70s, and then by the end of the decade of the 70s, I realized that woman does not live by mantra alone. <laughs> I really needed some money <laughs> because it was a nonprofit, and I didn't have health insurance, I didn't have car insurance, I didn't even have a car insurer, so, you know. Anyway, um, so I left this meditation community I was living in, and I moved to LA because that's where I thought the money was, <laughs> and I, um, um, and I started selling investments and I was a dismal failure, but you know, that expression, um, we make plans and God laughs. Mm -hmm. I mean, God had a big yuck over the idea that I was going there to make money, but you know, everything, everything is orchestrated by a divine light. Everything is orchestrated for our benefit. You know, even this current pandemic, it's like all of the lessons and all of the grace and all of the movement forward for us as individuals and for the planet. It's like, can't you just, again, give God the benefit of the doubt that it's like, you know, the famous Barack Obama saying, I got this one, you know, yes. got this one. Yes. But in the meantime, so I moved to LA and I started selling investments. I'm a dismal failure, but one day somebody asks me to go to the learning annex. I don't even know if it still exists, but the learning annex, this was 1980, hear a talk on money. I thought, oh yes, finally something that's going to help me maybe do better at my job. And I walk in, it's not the people in, by far, it was not the people in the financial industry. It was all the new age crowd. And the guy was talking about the law of attraction. He was saying that whatever we think, no matter what our financial situation is, okay, if we could just express words of the good that's coming in the future, talk about the house and the car and the clothes and the and the and what you're going to have in your life you'll start vibrating at that level and and if you're vibrating a c then a c could come in just like tuning forks but but people who are always complaining about how they'll never get out of debt they'll never have this they'll never have their soulmate you know they vibrate and if you're vibrating it i'll never have my soulmate that soulmate cannot come in because if you're vibrating a B flat, you know, <laughs> right? Only B yes. flat is going to come in, right? So <laughs> I'm listening to this guy and I'm thinking, oh, that's why I came here. I'm going to teach this the rest of my life. And, wow. and I quit my job. And it's funny. People say, oh, you quit your job. I mean, I was not a hero. Remember, I hadn't sold one investment, but I quit my job. <laughs> And I immerse myself into the knowledge of the great masters of success and prosperity, like Napoleon Hill and Wallace Waddles and Florence Chen and people like that. And um, for about six months, I put together this really powerful knowledge. I took the best of the best of all of the great thinkers from antiquity. And I put together this seminar called Yes to Success. And two of the reasons why I was able to be so successful right out of the shoot, one is, is that one of the things that I learned from these great masters is that when you have an idea, what is sacred should be kept secret. Don't go around telling everybody your idea. Oh, I'm going to start this seminar company. I'm going to do this and this. Not because I believe that anybody's going to steal your idea, but because what is sacred should be kept secret. And number one, the discouragement committee could show up. If you share it with mm. them, they're going to tell you all the reasons why your idea will not work. So the tiny seed of your idea is going to be crushed before it could even be manifested, or you're going to go forward with doubt because you shared it with the wrong person who was a member of the discouragement committee. But the other... <laughs> love yeah. that phrase. <laughs> 
every time you tell somebody what you're going to do, you're less likely to do it. You have to keep that steam in the kettle and don't keep letting it out, letting it out, letting it out. Because if you have an idea and you're working on it and you're working on it and you're not telling anybody, it has to burst forth. In, in its perfection. And I didn't tell a person six months. The only person who knew was my husband because I quit my job. And, um, wow. but then when I, uh, then I took a step from which there is no turning back because when I was ready to, to launch, I'm like, oh, who am I? I'm, you know, 20 something years old. I only thing I've ever done in my whole life is teach meditation. I'm, I'm broke. I'm driving a 10 year old beat up Chevy Bel Air and I'm going to go teach people how to be successful. So you got to take a step from which there's no turning back. And for me, well, two things. One is for me, it was putting up posters because that's how we advertised in the 80s. I actually rented the Santa Monica Public Library in your hood. That was where I did my, my first lecture. But the other thing is I absolutely believe, and I read this, the great masters uh, said the same thing, that an idea comes to you because you're supposed to manifest it. That's why oh, wow. you have the idea for love forward. I didn't. Right. I believe that the creator whispered it in your ear because the creator, and that's the God of your understanding, saw you as the worthy vehicle to take this idea and move it forward. Right. Me, I have the idea to start a success seminar company called Yes to Success. And I also believe that the creator needs it manifested at that time in creation that it comes to you. And if you don't do anything about it, the creator is going to have to go to somebody else. And that's why so many of us, they, they see, we see somebody who manifested an idea. We're like, that was my idea. Right. Yes, you, know what? you had first dibs, but you didn't do anything about it. And you told the discouragement committee about it. So the creator had to go to the second stringer who then went ahead. So anyway, the end of the story is I went to the Santa Monica Public Library and even though the discouragement committee, because once I put up the posters, they showed up and said, nobody's going to come to a presentation on how your mind creates your reality, walked in, standing room only. with the oh. Yeah. And within the first few years of Yes to Success, my seminar grew from the Santa Monica Public Library to reps in seven countries on four continents decades before the internet made this is phones with curly cords that were right remember those are oh, you too young but i'm yeah. not oh my god of course yes. i do and they would get all they would get all tangled and then you'd have to drop the heavy phone and let it untangle itself the curly cord <laughs> When you were talking to someone on the other side of the world, it's like, yeah. I didn't hear what they were saying. Well, that was how I built four, seven countries wow. and 12 major cities. And as you know, so many people who are now renowned transformational leaders, even household names were my students. But to answer your question, why people probably haven't heard of me, maybe some have, but because after um, eight years of building my business, um, I gave it all up. I, the seminars, I was on radio and TV from coast to coast. I, my book was in the hands of a major New York publisher and I was in um, negotiations for my own daytime TV talk show. My friend Janet Atwood of the Passion Test, she was there, she was my secretary at the time and she was taking notes when I was speaking with the, uh, with the um, producer. And the reason I gave it all up is that 
here's the thing. We back then, but now even more, we have to be the teachers who are living the teaching. And what I would teach people is the only way to true success is follow the impulses of your intuition that speak to you through your heart. And what happened to me in 1988 is that my daughter was born and I took one look at her and I thought new passion. And all I wanted, I didn't want to leave her to go to the bathroom, right? Let right. alone leave her to go have a TV show that I would have to be at at five o'clock every morning. All I wanted to be was with my little angel. And then my son was born three years later. So I left the, um, the world of transformational speaking and I stayed home with my kids for 21 years. Wow. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Okay. And, and they are kick-ass, amazing human beings in the world. So we're, we're very happy that you did that because you made beautiful citizens. Um, okay. So that, where was the divine, when did the divine spark saying, come back, come back, come back? Happened. Well, the divine spark was in the shape of my friend, Janet Atwood, <laughs> fashion test. So here I am, you know, my kids are 18 and 21 and I'm still trying to read them Harry Potter to put them to bed. And they're, <laughs> no, not really, but <laughs> practically, <laughs> but, um, you know, they were really quite self-sufficient without me. But, um, one day Janet says to me as only Janet would say, she goes, Debbie, when are you going to stop pretending your kids still need you and get back on the speaking circuit because the world needs you? Mm. And I thought about it for a minute. And I said, you know what, Janet? I don't know if my kids ever really needed me. There are fabulous children who have been raised by nannies and grandparents in the foster system. And I said, but I know that I've needed them because mm. to me, one, I love you, mommy, what's worth more than a thousand standing ovations, and I didn't want to give it up, you know, just that satisfaction, and people say, oh, you were a mom at home, you know, like, wow, like, I gave up something, guys, listen, when you're a mom at home, and not that I think everybody should do that, everybody has different dharmas, different paths, but I just got to relive my childhood, <laughs> you know, you go to the games, you go to the plays, you, you, you know, because I was a backstage mom, and the, and the soccer mom, and the baseball mom, and the basketball mom, but you do it now with awareness, <laughs> so mm. you do all, do all that fun stuff, but with awareness, and, um, but it was time to get back because I realized that I couldn't hang on to that forever it, because it was the source of my fulfillment was being a mom. And um, so, but here's a great principle of success. One of my absolute favorites. I'm going to tell you a quick story about my son. And I, I probably have shared this with you before, but um, my son taught me a principle of success that I have used it with, with, unbelievable results for like the last decade. So my son, when he was born three years after my daughter, he loved basketball. He came out of the womb loving basketball. I swear to you, he was shooting baskets when he was still, couldn't even stand on his own. He had to hold on with one hand and shoot with the other. Wow. <laughs> all the little other, all the other boys, when they were four or five years old, they wanted their birthday parties at Chuck E. Cheese. He wanted his at Michael Jordan's restaurant. That was it. 
And then he wanted to go to the United Center for a game afterwards. I have photos of it. And it's what's so funny is the other little kids don't know what is happening. We're at the United Center. And Daniel's walking around like he's the man, you know, <laughs> with his Bulls jersey. Anyway, one was so cute. He's so cute. So long story short, um, in his freshman year in high school, he makes the A team. But he is the only white kid on the team, on his high school team, and white boys decidedly cannot jump. So although he made the team, he never got one minute of playing time. But he had to travel to the freshman games, the junior varsity games, the varsity games. And he would watch the other players around the city of Chicago, and he realized that he had an eye for talent. He could predict who was going to go to the best colleges, who was going to be drafted, even who was going to go into the NBA one day. So he started a website. It was called IllinoisHighSchoolBasketball.com. And within a few years, he was known as the scout in the Chicago area for college coaches. There was a full page article on him in Sports Illustrated, why, why college hoops coaches seek the advice of a 16-year-old scout. Oh, my God. I did not know that part. I've known other things about your son that are extraordinary, and I can't, I can't even believe this. Oh, my God. Oh, and it gets even better. So. What, about what he taught me. So he, what he does, he, he starts his basketball website and all of the college coaches, I mean, we would be at dinner and he'd say, I got to take this. It's um, Bill Carmody or it's, you know, Bruce Weber. All of the big, big, big college coaches are calling my little Daniel, right? And um, I remember one time I, and he didn't have his driver's license yet. I had to drive him to the games. And I remember one time with some coach, I think it was from Harvard, the assistant coach from Harvard walked in and he said, I'm looking for Daniel Poneman. And, and I mean, Daniel was right there and with his braces and he goes, and his mom drove him there. He goes, I'm Daniel Poneman. And the look on this guy's face, he was, <laughs> he was expecting like Daniel Poneman. Anyway, but he got some good players and okay. So then Daniel's getting all of these kids scholarships. I mean, he's the guy who discovered Anthony Davis, you know, who's on the Lakers now. Yes. Yeah, yes. Internet, Daniel Poneman, Anthony Davis. You'll wow. Wow. Aunt. I mean, I knew these kids when they were just high school kids. Wow. Anyway, so Daniel one day comes to us. He says, mom, he's like 17. Maybe he goes, mom, dad, you know, I've come to the conclusion that these kids who are Division I players don't need me. They're going to get discovered anyway. Like, even though he's the kid who discovered Anthony Davis, he has no pride around. I mean, he does. I mean, people, oh, well, you discovered Anthony Davis. But he says, you know, Anthony would have gotten discovered anyway. He said, I, what I want to do is I want to help the Division II kids, the kids who will, would slip under the radar, who probably would only get a scholarship to a to a junior college or, you know, a division two college, because those kids, if I don't help them, they're the ones that are going to end up flipping burgers or worse. So he says, I'm going to start a showcase where I'm going to showcase these kids because there were showcases in Chicago, but they were like $250. He says, I'm going to start a nonprofit. And so I'm going to collect all the money and then they could come to the showcases for free. Oh my God. Oh my God, that's incredible. So, and he asks my husband and I, he says, you know, you're always raising money. You Can you help me raise money? Anyway, his first showcase was 10 coaches and 30 kids. And his showcase last year was 350 kids, 
150 coaches. And today he's raised over $50 million scholarship money for kids in the inner city of Chicago. But here's the thing that he said to me when he was doing all this and he, you know, then he graduated from high school and he, well, actually he dropped out of high school, but because he actually said to me one day, he says, mom, I can't do this high school thing anymore. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I can't study physics and calculus and, you know, things I will never use if I live to be a hundred when there are kids in the hood who need me. Oh my God. What an extraordinary, yes. And I said, you're not going to get an argument from me. And my friends are like, how could you let him drop out? I said, let him? I agreed with him, right? Yeah. Anyway, so he's working. He's getting all these kids scholarships. So one day I say to him, Daniel, you know, I love that you're generating all of the scholarship money, but don't you think that maybe you can make some money too? And he says to me, and here it is. He says, mom, just be patient. I'm building relationship capital. Wow. So I said, all right, I get that. He says, just hold on, just hold on, just be patient. Let's watch where this goes. So more months pass and here I am. I go, you know, I know you're, you can't make just a little money, you know, because it's against the, the NCAA rules. You can't take money for finding colleges, although a lot of people do, they take money under the table and they get, you know, they even, some of these colleges, they buy cars for the scouts and the, but my son wouldn't take a penny. I mean, that's just who he is. So I said, Daniel, maybe just like a little money somehow, maybe he says, mom, although I do have to be honest, he said, mom, would you take a chill pill? So I <laughs> what he really said he says just be patient i'm building relationship capital wow so then the time goes on and these kids who he found scholarships for are now going into the mba and now instead of us our family raising money for a showcase they're giving him tens of thousands of dollars for a showcase and then he decides he wants to make a movie about basketball in Chicago so that people can see, it's called Shot in the Dark, so that people can see what life is really like for these kids and how basketball is the only way out. And one of these people who he had built relationship capital with, who loved what he was doing with his nonprofit, gave him $400,000 to make his movie. Ugh relationship capital and then as the years went on and he realized that he wants to keep doing his nonprofit, but he wants to have his own business and he decided he wanted to st start a sports agency oh great another person who he had built relationship capital with gave him millions to start his sports agency wow. it's called beyond beyond.am he has eight agents now working for him, MBA, he's 20, he's 28. Wow. He has MBA agents and NFL agents and, and he's in partnership with one of the most powerful, you could look on his website and see who he's in partnership with, one of the most powerful families in the U.S., probably wow. one of the top five most powerful families. This guy loved Daniel. Daniel didn't ask for a penny. All he did was did his nonprofit and did his thing, but it's like he 
didn't ask for anything, but inside he knew he was building relationship capital. So the end of the story is, I said to him, you know, just maybe a couple of years ago, I said, Daniel, you taught me so much about building relationship capital. He goes, mom, what are you talking about? You taught me. <laughs> I said, I did. He said, mom, you know how you always tell in your seminars how you have to treat everybody is the most important person in the world, that the person standing in front of you at any given moment is the most important person in the world. It doesn't matter their age, their sex, their race, their religion. They're, if they're in front of you, you give them your full attention. You don't look around the room and see who's more important to talk to. Mom, that's how you build relationship capital. And I saw you do it. And, and then, so back to my story, after I took those 21 years out to be a mom at home, why was I able to come back and within a year start a multi-million dollar business? Because one of the people who was a little college student when she came to take my Yes to Success seminar asked if she would work for me. I gave her my full attention. I gave her a job. And Marcy Shimoff is now mm. the number one all-time nonfiction woman author of all times. She so wow. her books are on the New York Times bestseller list for 122 weeks. The Chicken Soup for the Woman's Soul and Mother's Soul and Happy for No Reason and Love for No Reason. And when I came out after my being at home with my kids hiatus, again, followed my heart, one of the most important principles, and built relationship capital. Like way back then, I gave Marcy her first speaking engagement when I got sick. I made her, I pushed her out of the nest. I said, you go do it. She had to fly to New York from LA. And then when I came out, she just grabbed me and we started our Your Year of Miracles company, which um, became pretty much a phenom. You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people from almost a hundred countries around the world um, for our Year of Miracles program, which I did for five years. And then, you know, I'm a jumper. So after five years, I thought, I love Marcy, but it's, I, I, I love, I'm a creative and we had already created all of the um, wonderful content. And if it's not broken, don't fix it. Right. So, but I, but I love to create content. That's my thing. I'm a content generator. So I left and people are like, oh, how can you <laughs> just love that? Right. right. my game but it doesn't make my heart sing anymore so yeah that it gotta be the teacher who lives the teaching because how could I tell somebody else to follow their heart and not just follow the money and uh, if I don't do it in my own life oh so beautiful and now so why yes to success tell me how this is what tapped you on the shoulder and said come this way well what tapped me on the shoulder and said come this way is that to this day, remember, I started teaching Yes to Success 40 years ago, wow. 40 years ago, 1980. And to this day, I am not kidding you, Bridget, there is not a week, definitely there is not a month, actually it happened last night, um, that doesn't go by that I run into somebody or somebody shoots me an email and tells me how Yes to Success completely changed their life. 
uh, last night, somebody sent me this beautiful um, YouTube with 16 uh, women cantors, you know, from temples uh, around the world singing uh, this beautiful Yerushalayim Shel Zahab. And it was, but with this thing that she sent me, she said, to this day, I use your yes to success principles. It's been almost 40 years. And there isn't a day that goes by that I don't have gratitude in my heart for you. And it's constant. And the principles that I taught in Yes to Success are timeless because what is closest to the truth, that's what lasts the longest. This Mm. is, Yes to Success wasn't like a flash in the pan. And one day I just thought, you know what? If people keep saying, when are you going to revive Yes to Success? When are you going to teach Yes to Success again? When, 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 when? I thought, now's the time. And so I took the timeless knowledge and I added knowledge that's pertinent for 2020. And I'm launching it again this year. And I couldn't, it's not that I'm excited. I know in the deepest depths of my heart that this is the time for this knowledge to be revived. And that was even before the, um, the virus. And now even more because I teach people to love what is. I teach people how to be in the present moment. I teach people who to be in the present moment, but from that moment, create their future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's one of the things that I tell people about the um, COVID situation. A lot of people are in fear, but you're only in fear and you only have fear and anxiety about the future. And what we have to do if we do have fear and anxiety is ask ourselves, am I okay right now? Mm. Right at this moment. Right. And 99.9% of the time, the answer is yes. Right. If you're this on a computer or a smartphone, if you have a roof over your head and you just, you know, had your protein shake, come on guys. Okay. (laughs) And really when we catastrophize, and it's not to not have sympathy for people who are suffering, but when we catastrophize this thing, then we just get out of alignment and we can't think clearly and we're not a country. We can't be a contribution to anybody. So we also, we also can't get, because you said at the very beginning of this interview, you were talking about the lessons, you know, that we're, that we're all getting because of this slowdown, like, uh, you know, like it's a slap in the face and like, stop, look and listen, go inside. What do you need to get out of this quarantine? Right? Yes, yes. And yes. And that's the thing. And if we if we just stay in that place of fear and you know, there are so many techniques now that people can use to get out of that place of fear. Just use your breath, breathe in for four counts, hold for two and out for six. I'm telling you, that's all you have to do. Do it for two minutes. You'll get right to a place of peace. In, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six, hold, two, breathe in. I'm telling you, or another thing that people can do is is this all right if I'm launching into please this is great no this is exactly what I wanted yes we want to hear wisdom every episode right now we need to hear wisdom from everybody because you never know what's going to spark somebody 
Yeah, and I'll tell you something else that I do. I learned this from my my dear friend Terry Britt, who is former Miss USA and now this amazing spiritual teacher. I just love this woman. You definitely want to have her on your podcast. Oh, cool! Awesome. I'll, I'll introduce you to her, but she's just fabulous. But she says that when we're in fear, and she's very psychic and tuned in, she said, knowledge comes to us through grace that comes in from the crown, from the top of the head. But when we're in fear mode or any of the lower emotions, greed, anger, jealousy, the top of the head closes up. And so if you could consciously put your attention on the top of your head when you get into fear mode and open it like a camera lens, just open it with your mind like a camera lens and invite that grace to just shower in and you will feel it go. If you do it right now, you'll feel it go to the tips of your fingers and to the tips of your toes. And when you do that, when you allow that grace to come in, you can just feel that you are filled with grace. You are filled with the divine and that's when you can move forward again and make those really excellent decisions instead of decisions based on fear. And, and what happens is, is if you go to a place of fear, you go to a place of blame or of anger, just remember, open that camera lens, breathe in that grace to every cell of your body. And the more you remember to do that, the more it stays open. And I've been using that and I just love it. And I feel pretty much that it's opened. And I know on one of your podcasts, you talked about one of the things that shuts you down. And I so agree. And that is watching the news. God, mm. if you want to be a contribution to the world right now, don't go watching the news. Not only does it shut down that the crown of the head, but it shut down, shuts down your heart chakra. It contracts you. And, you know, people say, oh, you have to be aware. Trust us. You will get the information that you need. Right. <laughs> right? Great. Yes. Okay, if the world's coming to an end, somebody will tell you. <laughs> um, oh, my God, that's hilarious. I just, I had um, a, an epiphany, too, when you said that, like, when you were when we open up that crown chakra and you said we can make decisions and we can also ask better questions. Like when you're open, then you start asking questions. And then what the epiphany I had was that when you're watching the news, the one thing you're not doing is asking questions, right? I mean, or usually you're not asking questions, right? I'm sure there are some people that are asking questions of the TV. Yeah, like what are some quest some powerful questions that you like to ask in times like this? I, I will tell you the questions that you want to ask at times like this. How can I give? How can I serve? And how can I uplift somebody today? Wow. Only questions that you want to ask. You know, Bridget, it's been scientifically documented that when people perform charitable acts, they volunteer, random acts of kindness, they write a check to support a cause. You know, I tried to do something every day, like, you know, calling my aunt in a nursing home. I did this thing where I sent little candles to all my friends with little words on them, like trust and hope and love. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. I, have, I happen to have 17 godchildren, and many of them are the children of people who have worked for me in the past, and many of them live at the poverty level. 
I make sure that they have enough money for food. I call them, make sure that they have enough money for diapers, right? Tomorrow, um, here's another thing. Just any act of kindness, what it does is that it triggers the release of oxytocin, which is the feel-good hormone. I mean, tomorrow, one of our friends, that uh, an icon here in Evanston, his name is Hecky Powell. He owns this owned, he passed away yesterday from COVID, but he owned this mm. barbecue restaurant. And not only was it the best barbecue in Evanston and everybody knew Heckies, but a Hecky was, he really, that expression, a man amongst men, there is any kid in the neighborhood, they could be black, they could be white, they could be Asian, they could be Hispanic. I mean, if you go on CBS News and you just look at Google Hecky or Hecky Powell, you'll see the every kind of person saying what they did, he did for them, gave their kid a job, you know, bailed their kid out of jail, paid for their kid's college education. Um, there was a woman said she came here as a single mom, as an immigrant from Argentina 20 years ago, and he paid for her to take English lessons. He didn't even know her. And um, so what we're all going to do tomorrow, it's a surprise. His wife doesn't know we're going to have a, like a, cavalcade of cars past his house because we can't have a memorial. We're all going to honk. And just, you know, any act of kindness that you could do, it's been scientifically proven that it releases oxytocin, which is the feel-good hormone. And when oxytocin is released, it results in less anxiety. And your cortisol levels go up. And cortisol, I mean, your cortisol levels go down, which is stress hormone. So reduction in heart disease and pain and depression and so give her sleep better and there is even a study done i think it was at the national institutes of health i remember the research was george mall m-o-l-l it was you know like 15 years ago but he found that if people gave to charities it activated the region of the brain associated with pleasure and connection they called it the warm glow effect but he also they also Listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. Even thinking about doing an act of kindness, thinking about it, and you're, you know, and you're about, okay, I'm going to do this for, I'm going to go to Heckies and I'm going to like drive in that cavalcade of cars. I saw you got all teared up. I did. <laughs> I know it's as if I was in the, well, but it really. Wow. Just thinking about doing a random act of kindness. That's why on the TV, when you see the people, when you see the, you know, in New York where everybody's cheering for the first responders at seven o'clock or when somebody gets released from the hospital and all the doctors and nurses line up, you know, cheering for the person who recovered from COVID, they call it that positive feeling. They call it the helper's high. And all you have to do is even just see it on the TV you could watch TV for that, but you get that helper's high. So, and if you want to do good, if you want to contribute right now, you know the expression, put your oxygen mask on first. So you have to do what makes you feel good and not go to the conversations about, you know, conspiracy theories. I don't know if they're true. Maybe they are, but does it serve you to just talk about them or how our president is this, that, and the other? He's not my favorite guy. Let me be very clear about this, but does it help me to sit with my friends and go over and over and over all of the things that he does? No, it just diminishes my ability to think clearly and my ability to give and my ability to be a contribution to the planet.
Right. Talk about the good things that are going on. Talk about Hecky's parade. Oh my God. I cannot wait. I'm going to put a picture of Hecky in the podcast notes. Okay. Oh, please. Oh my God. That's so beautiful. You made me cry like 1.5 million times during this one interview. <laughs> uh, well, All I right. have to say about you, girl, you have such a beautiful heart. You, uh, thank you. I don't want to say it's easy for you to cry, but it's like you're so tender and you're so sweet. Mm. That's why you want to teach love forward. That's why the creator whispered in your ear to teach about how to spread love because you are such a precious, tender heart. So Thank you, you. Person to do it. Thank you so much. Okay, now let's tell them where and when they can find the explosion of the next Deb Poneman universe about to launch. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you just go to my website, that's the easiest. It's yes to success and it's Y-E-S-T-O, yes to success.com. There's two things you could do if you go there. One is I wrote a really fabulous ebook. It's not an ebook that's just like junk, that's a lost leader. It's a really, really good ebook and it's the five secrets to living a life of true success. So if you go on my website, you can download that. Obviously, it's free. And then you'll be um, notified when this takes off. And it's going to take off in June. June 9th is the, oh, and I have a series of free videos beginning on June 9th. There's one every two days for like a week and a half. And, um, but if you get the free book, then I will go ahead and notify you about. And also, there's another part on my website that says, would you like to be notified about the relaunch of Yes to Success in 2020? And um, if you fill that one out, you get a free meditation that I record. Oh, great. Oh, great. Awesome. And oh I have to say, I also love your meditations. Guys, oh. listen to her meditations. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I always do them for myself selfishly, but I think if, if it helps me, maybe it'll help somebody else. But uh, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Gorgeous. There's a 25 minute where you're just talking, you're not interviewing anybody and you have a meditation on there. Yeah. Yeah. The last one, the last episode before you, the episode right before you. And thank you for the things that you gave us, the little tools that you gave us. It's those little tools, right? The little things that just take a few minutes to tap into and it can completely shift you. So thank you for shifting us. Thank you for making me cry a million times and everything for touching my heart. I love Deb Poneman. I'm so excited for Yes to Success. I'm so excited. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. That was Deb Poneman. Go directly to Yes to Success. Y-E-S-T-O-S-U-C-C-E-S-S dot com and check out her new program. And if you like this podcast, please go rate, review it, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it. Could we need more superheroes of love in the fold more than we do now? No, we could not. <laughs> All right. I hope you're taking care of your heart, superheroes. Sending you lots of love. Have a great day.